listening to someone on the new Christian radio station, 96.3. Just putting that out there in case we needed another option. Um, and talking about being sons and daughters. And the Lord just began to speak to me and say, you know, sometimes my kids view themselves as like the second cousin. The nephew, the niece that lives far, far away. We are sons and daughters of the King. Yeah. Amen. Daughter, son, son, daughter, 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 son. He doesn't look at you and say, well, I haven't heard from you in a while, so you're probably the black sheep in the family. That happens in human families. It does not happen in the body of Christ. It does not happen to his kids, because when you're his kid, you're his kid. Amen? So know today, when you sing about the goodness of God, and you sing about his amazing love, you are singing those words as a son or daughter of Christ. And if you have not yet made that step, you have the opportunity today to belong to him. And belonging to him is beautiful and powerful. It gives you a wholeness that you can't get anywhere else in any other relationship. I love my kids. I love that man. I love your pastor fiercely. And I love all of you. But my love for him, the one that redeemed my soul and bought me with the price who comes to me and says, daughter, rise. You can do it. Come on. Let's stand up and go again. You can do it. I know that you're feeling, you know, not so powerful right now. But you're standing in me, not in yourself. Amen. I love it when he comes to us and he speaks the words he knows we need to hear. He doesn't even have to consider us. But he does because he's passionate and fierce about his love for us. Amen. So try singing these next songs with that refreshed knowledge in your head. I know who I belong to. I know who my redeemer is. I know who my father is. My savior, my friend. Amen. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I Oh, God. 
praise God. There's a beautiful presence in the Lord. It's so rich and so sweet. I encourage you to reach out to him. I just heard somebody say it and I was raised to entertain the presence of God. And we need to do that today. We need to do that every time we are in his presence, whether you're in a car or at work. Entertaining the presence of God is focusing on him. Putting aside every weight, every thought, every wonderful except you plan for the rest of the day. And just entertaining his presence and saying, Lord, I concentrate on you. Whatever you want to do in me or in someone else, I'm going to flow with you. And we entertain his presence. And when we welcome him in that way, amazing things happen. Anything can happen. Praise God. Praise God. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak
get it to come down some. There we go. The Holy Ghost is here because this mic is working. After three weeks, maybe it's not. Keep, is this one of yours? I know it's echoing a little bit. There we go. Just in case, I'll be ready. You can be seated in Jesus' name. We are excited about what God is doing today. And uh, it's a... It's a big day. We are dedicating some children. And we're going to baptize a bunch of people. And God's going to get the glory for all of it. Amen. Amen. So good to see all of you here today. And all of our guests. We're so thankful that you have chosen to be with us today. Um, I, I want to... Brian and Elaine are out of town this weekend. And so... Hopefully you brought a real Bible. As Paul said, Paul Weisberg, get that paper Bible out. Matthew chapter 18, I just want to read a couple of scriptures. And here's how the day is going to go. I'm going to preach just for a couple of minutes, I promise. And uh, then we're going to dedicate these children. And uh, our praise team is going to come back and sing one more song and as they're doing so we're going to dismiss those that are going to get baptized to get prepared and then we're just going to all gather out in the vestibule and baptize some people and uh, we're going to baptize a little bit different in that uh, Randy's going to be my muscle today he's going to he's going to help me out today I wore the wrong shoes last Sunday my wife bought me these nice shoes, but they didn't have any heel, and so my back's been all out of whack already, so I'm blaming her for it. So, it's not. <laughs> and so, Randy's going to be helping us today, but uh, we're excited about what God is doing in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse number one, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What a question. Pretty audacious, actually. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And you would think that Jesus would give a long parable or something, and he doesn't. Here's what Jesus does in verse two. He calls a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Verily I say unto you. Now, whenever Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, it's kind of like mom saying, Look at me. I'm getting ready to say something to you that means something. And so Jesus is saying, Listen, everybody focus in on what I'm getting ready to tell you because I'm getting ready to answer your question. And he says it this way, Except you be converted and become as little children. You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I want to speak with the help of the Lord for just a couple of minutes on the concept of true conversion. True conversion. You know, there's some things that happen to us as we grow a little bit older. We become more mature. Or at least some of us do. And uh, there's something that 
I have preached and taught pretty much my entire ministry, and that is, uh, and it's a pretty broad statement, but the statement is simply this, we do everything backwards from what Jesus wants us to do. And I don't know why that is, I mean, it's just, it just kind of happens. But what we fail to understand sometimes is that the kingdom of heaven is the opposite direction of the way that we tend to go naturally. So naturally, we are born, and we're going to see a couple of infants today, we're born and we're helpless, and then we mature. And then we think we can figure it all out on our own. And then we turn 16, 17, and 18 and think we know everything. Right? Until we turn 25 and we can't figure out why the house is leaking and the car is breaking down and then we call dad again. Hey dad, can you help me out? And then when we get to be 30 or 40, we realize we've just barely scratched the surface on anything that we really know. And then as we get older, we, we start thinking, man, I wish I knew then what I know now. You see, Jesus responds to a question about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I've heard that people have said, well, that means that the children are the greatest in heaven. And that's, that's what he says to a certain extent. But he says it this way. He says, unless you are converted. Now, I've been in the ministry since 1988. That's a long time. And I've been teaching and preaching. And for too often in those 30-some-odd years, I have heard conversion preached. That means from sinner to saint. Can I just tell you that the kingdom of heaven is not concerned about sainthood? Somewhere along the line, we as religious leaders in churches got into our mindset this thing that God is wanting to perfect us as saints. And we take a couple of passages that reference that and we say, well, that's what God wants us to become. He wants us to become mature. And we take the, the scriptures that say you start off on the milk of the word and then you graduate to the meat of the word. In other words, you grow up a little bit. And while all that is true, the problem is, is we equate that to our natural life where we are toothless when we're born and we start eating that liquid stuff, that nastiness that my dad loved the desserts. But any of the other stuff, he would eat more of the desserts than he fed his grandkids. And, uh, and, and then we graduate to, you know, to the meat and, and we'd enjoy the, the, the meat and, and until we get too old where we can't enjoy the meat and we go back to the baby stuff. But Jesus is trying to give us a picture that yes, we need to change our diet and we need to go from the, the, the milk of the word to the meat of the word and we need to grow in him and we need to become more like him. But we have to understand that becoming more like him does not mean that we become independent of him. Amen. Now, most of us here are Americans. We've got some people that come from other countries, and we're, we're thankful that they're a part of our assembly. But in America, we have this understanding because of something that we have based our entire country on, and that is the Declaration of Independence. And I'm thankful for the Declaration of Independence. 
And I'm thankful that I was born and raised in a country that allowed me to have the independence to decide who I wanted to worship, when I wanted to worship, and how I wanted to worship. But can I tell you that something gets inside of us, even as Americans, and we declare our independence, and that mindset starts from a very young age, and then we turn 15, 16, 17, 18, and then we turn 20, and we try to we get this independent. You're not going to tell me what to do. And we have adults now that if you want to get them to do something, don't tell them not to do it because then they're going to do it simply because you told them not to do it. And, and the reason is, is because you can't tell me what to do. I'm an adult. I'm independent. I can think on my own. I can do my own thing. And the whole time Jesus is standing back saying, what about me? What about me? Somebody is missing the point. Somebody's not catching what Jesus is putting down in the word of God. Jesus said, unless you be converted and become as little children. We are not supposed to convert from sinner to saint. We are supposed to convert from adult to child. It's when you are an adult, and that adulthood doesn't mean an age necessarily because there's a whole lot of seven, eight-year-olds that are, have dealt with more adult things than some of us adults have dealt with. But there are some things that, it's a mentality, if you will, it's the independence. From the time that we are conceived, we are fighting to break out into freedom. Just ask any pregnant woman. We're constantly fighting. The Gaithers sing a song, Let Freedom Ring, and the verse starts, from the very beginning, we're pushing to, to, to fight our freedom. And, and, and what, we're, what is that's really saying is, we're wanting to do what we want to do. But here's what Jesus is saying. Stop trying to do what you want to do and start being like a little child. Can I tell you that what that means is not that we become immature, but our maturity becomes dependent on Jesus. It's not immature or mature that is the issue. It's independent or dependent. As we grow up, can I just tell you when I turned 18 and I pull out of the driveway from 441 Gentry Avenue North and headed all the way across country to Delaware, I knew from that moment in time I wasn't going to be coming back for a while because I was gaining my independence until God brought me back. But, but, but you understand what I'm saying? And we try to figure out what job we want, what career. We're trying to figure out how to operate life. And Jesus is saying, your conversion is come back to be like the child. And the most mature adults are the most childlike adults. Now, I didn't say childish. There's a difference between childish and childlike. Childlike means this. And, and, and I'll just use my two boys just so I don't embarrass any of you other kids. <laughs> and Declan's homesick, so he can't even hear me. They have yet to worry about a mortgage payment. In fact, they haven't had to worry about a meal yet. They haven't had 
to worry about a, a place to call their own, their bedroom, and, and, and have a nice bed and, and, and have all the toys that they have. They haven't, had, they haven't had to worry about any of that. They haven't had to worry. Now, we're trying to train them a little bit on how to figure all that out. But, but they haven't had, they rely on me and her to make sure there's a house over their head, to make sure that they have a bed to sleep in, to make sure that there's food on the table. Now, as they become more independent, what ends up happening is eventually, eventually, they're going to move out. Someday down the road. But right now, they don't have to worry about it. If they want something to eat, they go to mom and say, what can we have to eat? If they want some new clothes, well, it's usually mom saying, okay, it's time for new clothes, but you know, the, the, they're totally dependent. Our true conversion experience and our mature attitude towards God is not becoming childish and throwing a fit and that kind of thing, but it's become childlike and stop worrying about how this is going to work and stop worrying how this is going to work, but fulfill the proverb that says, trust in the Lord with all your might, but that, that trust in the Lord and all your ways acknowledge him, lean not to your own understanding, become dependent on him. Listen, I can't make it without Jesus. I've got to have him. My conversion experience was not from sinner to saint. It was from an adult to a child, from somebody that's independent to somebody that's dependent. And when we dedicate these children today, what we're really saying is, God, from this day forward, he, they're yours. And we are challenging them to become dependent on you. Can I tell you how much pressure that releases? I don't have to worry about you. I have to pray for you. I have to love you. But I can't make you do something. I can't twist your arm to serve God. There's nothing I can do but to provide an opportunity for you to know Jesus. And I kind of like doing the dedication and the baptism on the same day because here's what's getting ready to happen. We're going to dedicate some children that are naturally young. And then we're going to baptize some adults that become babies. Because the Bible says that when we come out from the waters of baptism, we also should walk in newness of life. We are having some new life birthed into this place today. And, and, and what that is, that's what conversion is. Well, pastor, I don't need to do this. And I don't need to do that. And I don't need to have that. Oh, yes, you do. Son, daughter, you better go to the dentist every once in a while. You better eat right every once in a while. Can I just tell you that if it was entirely up to me as an adult, and if I wanted to really be childish to eat what I wanted, Carbonis would go out of business. But then so would I. And so there's got to be balance. There's got to be, there's got to be. And where do I get my balance from? I don't get my balance from Facebook. I don't get my balance from the internet. I don't get my balance from Aramark. 
which is who I work for. I get my balance from relying on him because my conversion has said I can't do this on my own. I need to lean on him. You see, how many have ever heard this stated in some kind of form of this? Well, all those Christians, they just treat Christianity as a crutch. It's just their crutch. You better believe it. You better believe it's a crutch because the crutch holds me up. The winds blow me down. The storms will tip me over. But holding on to Jesus, the waves may come up over my head, but his hand is still holding me. All the winds of, the, of life may blow me down, but like a tree planted by the rivers of water, I shall not be moved. When things that are shaken all around me, I stand on the one who cannot be shaken. I don't care if somebody says that I'm weak. That's good enough for me because when I'm weak, the Bible says he is made strong. When I am down, he is up. When I am in, he is out. When I love, he is in. When I'm in, uh, 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 when I'm happy, then so is he. When I'm joyful, then so is he. Why? Because the only way I get true happiness and true joy is if I'm hand in hand with him. We have been designed by him with an emptiness in us that attracts us to him. And when we reach toward him and he reaches to us, all of a sudden we, we, we get into this, this communion, if you will, this, this harmony. But we try to do it on our own. Let me figure this all out, God. You know, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But goal setters make me laugh. <laughs> Unless their goal is balanced by pliability to the path of God. Because here's the thing. Now, now don't get me wrong. I understand the concept of goals. There is one question that I've never been able to answer to anybody. And it has frustrated the fire out of me for 30 years. Because every spiritual leader will always ask this. Well, where do you see yourself in five years? Before I was a pastor, do you ever see yourself pastoring? I don't know. You'll have to ask him. Because he's only given me one step. His word is a light unto my path. And that doesn't mean that he's got a spotlight illuminating the whole roadway. If you do any study, when they traveled at night, they would attach candles to their feet. And they would, as they walked, that's how far they would see in front of them. I don't know what's happening this week. Now I have a calendar. And we've got things on the calendar. Which, by the way, Tuesday night board, we're meeting. 6.30 here. Don't forget. There's your reminder. There's your apple. Chain breakers. That's right. I almost forgot. Change their time. They start at 7 on Wednesday night. So come and be a part of chain breakers on Wednesday at 7. But, but on top of all of that, Jesus may come this afternoon. And if Jesus comes, board meeting canceled. <laughs> 
And so I laugh when somebody says, well, I've got my three-year, five-year, ten-year goal. Good for you. Let's see how it looks in three years. Because you're going to get to year 1.5 and have to readjust the 3. And then you're going to have to readjust the 5. And then you're going to have to readjust the 10. And all of a sudden, now you're planning for 20 years down the road. When God is saying, take no thought for tomorrow. What tomorrow brings, there's enough trouble for tomorrow. Just concentrate on today. Why? Because God is wanting to move us. God is wanting to take us just like little children. Now, I've got to tell you, some of you know who my dad was. Some of you have never met him, but he was six foot four, about 220 pounds when he played hockey, about 300 something later on in life. His hand was twice the size of my hand. And when we were going somewhere, now see, my mom and dad were not fair to me. I was born with short legs. I have my mom's legs. And my brother has, and my sister both have. So if I walk with my brother just down a hallway, I've got to take two steps for every one that he takes. I'm like running along, and I'm the big brother. But when we were kids, and dad wanted to get somewhere, he would take us by the hand, and it would cover our arm, and he would start walking. And we just kind of drove behind because we couldn't keep up. I had no say where I was going. Once that hand was on me, I had no say on which way I was going, which way I would turn. That was when I was real young. As I got older, I recognized something very quick. And this is what I recognized. Can't even do it very loud anymore. When I heard that happen, Frank is somewhere. And I knew whatever I was doing, I would stop. When we were going to camp as kids, my dad was the security guard because he scared the bachevers out of everybody. <laughs> Sister Weeds here, she knows. You watch somebody like him and Gordon Alexander walk in the middle of the dark down the sidewalk and you're a 10 year old kid trying to sneak out of the dorm. It didn't happen very often. <laughs> Why? Because they were directing us. So then when I became a camp, I, I was smarter than my mom and my dad and, and brother Alexander because we made kids push the tabernacle foot in order to wear them out. We had a line, a fish, a fish line and a string, and we'd set it down at the end and we'd make those little kids push that thing and we'd pull that thing until it moved a foot by the time we had to carry it back to bed. <laughs> I don't know why I even told you that. That's Sister Weeks, she brought it out of me. But my point is this, when my dad started directing me, I had no say in where I was going. Now I could fight it, but do you want to know what happened when I fought it? And as he gained weight, it was a little bit more. And then it echoed through the house. That was before it was against the law. I was born too early. <laughs> but you know what? 
wish you were still here directing me. There have been times in the last nine years, it's been almost nine years already since he's passed, where I just want to call him and say, Dad, I'm dealing with this couple in the church. What do I do? It would have helped me. Dad, I can't figure out how to approach the sitting on this. Can you help me? But see, here's the thing. That's what Jesus is wanting to do for us. When we are committed, he's wanting to take us by the hand and lead us. So you set your three-year goal, but if you put your hand in his hand, I'm not promising you're going to reach your goal in three years because he may have a totally different path. And if you're willing, his hand is even bigger than my dad's hand because the Bible says he holds the whole world in his hands and he's got it all in control and the earth is his and the fullness thereof. And, and, and I get the picture when I, when I hear that word, I get the picture of Michael Jordan twirling a basketball on his finger. God's just got the earth sitting on his finger and he's just keeping it spinning every year. And, and, and listen, God's got it all under control. So why would I fight against it? Unless you become like one of these children. We've taken a, not a lot of heat, but we've taken some heat because we don't require our kids to sit absolutely still in church. Can I just, for those of you that get distracted by our kids that come up over here, can I just tell you what, let me give you a secret. Stop looking. The Bible says lift up your head O ye gates You might as well look up Instead of looking out I know children Are uncontrollable sometimes But would I would to God that some of us Adults would become Uncontrollable in the presence of God Sometimes Listen I know that they don't even realize What they're doing they hear the music, they hear the drums, they're jumping up and down. But somewhere along the line, if we give them freedom now to do that, when they get a little bit older and they recognize what's happening in the worship setting of the church and they put the two and two together, we're going to have some worshipers. Listen, David was made fun of. David was, was criticized by his own wife. David would, would take six steps, and on the seventh step, the Bible says that he would dance before the Lord. And I won't do that right now because I'm afraid of my back. But, but every single, what he would do is he would twirl. It wasn't even a dance. It wasn't a slow dance. He would actually, the Bible, he would twirl. It's the same word as twirl. So every seventh step in the middle of public, this adult man would take that seventh and he would just sit and twirl. Why? Because he was leaning on him. And he was showing his childlike faith. We need to stop figuring it all out. We need to stop it. Parents, I, I know I've said this. I don't know why I'm saying this again today. Maybe it's just because it's child dedication. But I want to hear your kids in church. Some of them amen me more than you do. <laughs> mentioned, I think it was either last week or maybe in Grace College on Thursday night. I think it was last week. The church I grew up in had pews instead of chairs. 
I would have never made it through the chair, but the pews. And it was a slightly slanted floor. And it was tile. And oh, I could slide. <laughs> While the singers were up singing whatever hymn we were singing that day, I was messing around and sliding. Like I said last week, I wish I would have thought. I wish I would have been smart enough to tie some people's shoes together. I know that's mischievous, but some of them deserved it. <laughs> but can I tell you, every adult that saw me crawling around on the floor and going between their legs and the pews and, and causing all kinds of chaos, what they didn't realize was that the message of the song and the voice of the pastor was reaching into the core of who I was. While I was playing with my little toys, while I wasn't seeming to pay any attention, I was grabbing a hold of the spirit that was around me. So that when I became a little bit older, when I became 8, 9, 10, when I wasn't fitting under the pew anymore, and mom and dad were making me sit and listen, I was already connected at 8 or 9 to the moving of the spirit. Listen, I don't say this because of something I did. I say it because of something my parents did and those that were in that church did. It was instilled in me at a young age that it was okay that Jesus was smiling when little children did their thing. It, it, was, it was inbred in me that, that there is a connection to the youthful nature of a child and the powerful anointing of the Holy Ghost. I was 10 years old when he baptized me with the Holy Ghost. I, at Camp Galilee, I, was, I can take you to, I think it's still a basketball court now, but I can take it. I know what it's like to be a young child and sense the presence of God. And it would go against every fiber in my being if I tried to lock that up for these kids and, and move it away and say, oh, they've got to do this and this and this. Listen, all these kids in here, I just want you to know, Lily right there is not even listening to me, but she's catching the spirit. <laughs> How do I know? Because Eva was that age once. I've been blessed to dedicate all four of their girls. And Eva knows the presence of God. Is she an old lady? Yeah, I don't know. But she recognizes the presence of God. Except you be converted. I want to invite you to stand. Except you be converted and become like unto Unless you become dependent on him and give up your depend, independence, you'll never recognize the kingdom of heaven. So what I want to do before we dedicate these children is I want to give you an opportunity. This entire sanctuary is an altar area. And if you're here today and you have never heard this before, you think that you got to get all yourself cleaned up because you're a mess in order to be welcomed into, listen, I've not yet seen one baby born that was cute. <laughs> Until the doctors and the nurses cleaned them up. They were purple and blue and all kinds of things. When you come to God, you can be a mess. Because you're coming to him as a child. And then we'll let him take care of all the other stuff. The great physician will then step into your life. 
and start cleaning you up, so to speak. So if you're here today and you have never just totally said, God, I want to be totally dependent on you, I'm inviting you to do so now. With every eye closed, if that's you today, you've been trying to make it on your own, you've been afraid to come to the Lord because you haven't figured it all out, stop figuring and start converting to becoming like a young child. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand in the presence of God? Some of us longtime Christians need to maybe revisit it and say, God, you did it for me once, but I've grown up. I need to go back. If that's you today, would you do it? In Jesus' name right now, by the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the blood of the Lamb, I release the anointing power of God that releases us to become like children. Lord God, you see every hand that's raised. You see every heart. From this point forward, God, we are giving up our independence and we are going to become dependent upon you. You are going to lead us in every step. Lord, you are going to lead us down the path that you have chosen for us. Lord, you are going to bring us into your arms. Lord, for those that are here that it's been a while since they became like a child and they've, they've grown up in the church, if you will, they become mature Christians. I'm asking you, Lord, to challenge that philosophy today. I'm asking you to draw us back to become childlike. Lord, we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.